With us today is former Prime Minister of the country of Canada, Stephen Joseph Harper, and he's Prime Minister from 2006 to 2015, and, uh, and uh, he did a, a fine job and a great job in, in Canada. Uh, uh, Prime Minister, uh, tell us, uh, the world is in a big mess, uh, and right now, uh, uh, you're, how do you view what the heck is going on? Well, look, it, it is an enormous mess, uh, John. And uh, first of all, thanks for having me. You and I have spoken many times in the past, but I'm delighted to be on your show for the first occasion. Um, look, three things uh, very quickly. Geopolitics. We spent a generation or more trying to pretend that Russia, China, Iran and others were our friends, uh, finding out that wasn't true. And they've been, you know, obviously planning to overturn the the, the global democratic order. We have spent ourselves, borrowed and spent and printed money into oblivion, and now we have a, essentially stagflation coming on in many countries as a consequence of that. And, of course, our, our politics have been disrupted by, you know, what I call um, uh, the division between elites and populists. People talk about the rise of populism. I think it's largely about elites that have been out of touch and done a lot of things that have damaged the interests of ordinary people. So between all of these things, uh, the world, the democratic world in particular, is in terrible turmoil. Ever since, uh, Prime Minister, ever since we uh, uh, we uh, changed governments here and uh, in the United States uh, a few years ago, uh, and the pipeline was shut off, uh, or the oil pipeline, uh, that the new one that was called the Keystone Pipeline, Right. There's been world. There's been a world turmoil in oil prices, and uh, you are you are one of uh, the world's experts on energy. Uh, tell us what the heck is going on, because the American people don't understand it. Sure. Look, I, I, I'll try and put it really simply. There are three blocks of oil producers in the world. There's the traditional OPEC, led by the Saudis. There's um, what's now called the OPEC Plus Group, led by Russia, and there are, uh, you know, the market-oriented, free, or free market-oriented producers led by the United States, of which Canada is a significant part. And, you know, what has happened is that the, the, the Saudis have determined um, that they want to keep oil prices in a $70 to $90 band, um, and they've got the full cooperation of the Russian bloc to do that, partly because the Russians can't afford to make enemies of the Saudis right now. The Russians have made enough enemies, as we all know. And with, um, you know, the current administration and the government in Canada taking Canada and the United States out of the game of, of being major energy producers or doing their best to do that, they have allowed um, that other block to effectively control prices, and they're going to keep them reasonably high. They're going to try, you know, John, they're going to try and prevent them. They're not going to keep them really high. They're going to try and prevent them from going over 90 or certainly 100. But, you know, given the restrictions on oil uh, development in our countries and in some other parts of the world for, for other reasons, um, they're going to be able to keep them high. So uh, they don't want to put the world out of business. 
but they certainly want it closer to the $90 level than the uh, $65 or $70 level that uh, North America would like it at. Yeah, they won't, they won't let it go below 70 for any extended period of time. And they'll, they'll be keeping it closer to 90. You're absolutely right. And, and given supply and demand, and as I say, given the determination of some Western governments to restrict oil production and given problems in some oil producers like Venezuela, they're not going to have a hard time keeping those prices high even as the global economy slows. Understood. Uh, so, uh, and what I've said publicly was that uh, Russia is uh, using a lot of their newfound uh, uh, gold, uh, being the, uh, uh, the the profits on oil uh, in their, I guess, their war on Ukraine. And the question is, is Iran using it against Israel? Uh, because Iran is now uh, doing three million barrels a day, and it was down to one. Yeah, uh, well, first of all, you know, it isn't just against Ukraine. I mean, Russia has been using the revival of oil prices ever since Putin came into power to rebuild their military and become a competitor around the world. This is this is is not new. It, it, it took the full scale invasion of Ukraine in 2022 for most people to catch on to that. But that's what's been happening. Um, Iran, uh, you know, Iran still faces restricted markets, but they are selling their oil. And of course, they um, they have um, used it to fund terrorism and and foment revolution around the world, including Hamas. And, you know, look, John, it's not a secret. I know the uh, U.S. administration wants to deny it and the Israelis, for their own part, don't want to admit it either. But uh, the reality is, you know, your government just gave $6 billion to Iran, and a big chunk of that went into exactly what we're seeing now in Gaza. It's certainly a, a major problem. Um, it is. What, what, uh, so we're going to be, either we're going to be at $70 or $90 no matter what. Yeah, we're going to be between 70 and 90, but I think we're going to be at the high end of that. Um, because, as I say, look, John, for, for the, the very simple reason is this. Um, in spite of what environmentalists say, and, you know, we can debate, uh, they're certainly desirable that the world emit less carbon, carbon dioxide. But the reality is that the demand for oil continues to rise it is and, and it is going to rise based on the data we have today going to rise every year for the for the foreseeable future i know some dispute that but there is no basis when they make those statements the oil demand continues to rise so as we restrict supply and we restrict supply in market-oriented countries like the united states like canada and elsewhere all we do is push the price higher and hand control of global oil markets to non-market producers, to those who want to keep the prices as absolutely high as possible. Understood. And since we've been restricting the markets in North America, uh, the, the, the prices is going to be on the higher end. Uh, but the other problem that's happening, uh, Prime Minister, is uh, the only uh, uh, thing to control inflation is interest rates. And uh, the United States is having a serious problem 
uh, with the interest rates and what they're doing to the rest of the country in the, in the real estate industry and as well as the, uh, as the banking industry. Yeah, you and I have discussed this, John, and we, we maybe have a, a little bit of a different uh, take. Um, first of all, the, the, the Federal Reserve, the central bank, can do more than just restrict inter- or raise interest rates to reduce inflation. They're also reducing the size of their balance sheet. And both Canada, Bank of Canada and the Federal Reserve are doing that. So there are various ways to reduce inflation, but the best and most effective way is to raise uh, interest rates. And, um, you know, my, my own judgment, and, uh, you know, we can argue that maybe they've raised them too high, but the reality is that, um, you know, they have to get uh, inflation down. If they don't get inflation down, interest rates will go up anyway. And you are seeing rates rise even on longer-term government securities for this exact reason. So I think they've got to get inflation down. Look, I think the unfortunate reality is that the central banks completely goofed during the um, during the pandemic. Um, there's no doubt they had to provide additional liquidity to the market. But what you saw in our countries was at a time when economic activity was being restricted by government rules and regulations, so you couldn't stimulate the economy, it was, it's, its activity was restricted, central banks poured trillions of dollars of money into the economy. And frankly, I think the inflation is a lot higher than, than official figures admit. Um, it shouldn't have happened, but it has. And getting ourselves out of this, um, out of this, uh, Difficulty is not going to be easy, and it's it's made doubly hard by the fact that as the central bank is raising rates to try and restrict money supply, you have governments, both in Canada, the United States, and elsewhere, running enormous deficits that, in and of themselves, create inflationary pressures. So you know, until I, I tell John, John, I tell people, you can't fix all of this with just playing with interest rates and money supply and deficits. The only way we've got to get our economies back on track is what we did in the 80s, and that's to do supply-oriented, uh, market-oriented, business-led economic growth. As long as we do the policies of the 1970s, high deficits, um, you know, lots of money, uh, we're going to get the results of the 1970s, and that's where we're at. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Understood. Uh, Prime Minister, we have a few minutes left. What else would you like to tell uh, the people of the world? I mean, you're in the world market, and I know you're very close to the Jewish community in New York. Uh, Give us your... uh, Where does this go? Where does this end? Yeah, I I think it's pretty pretty well known that I'm, uh, you know, I'm not only a big supporter of Israel, a big supporter of Ukraine. John, when I was in office... Uh, A lot of people would often raise their eyebrows at how strongly my foreign policy was focused on supporting Israel and Ukraine. And, you know, this is 10, 15 years ago, and people wondered, 
why I spent so much time on these two countries. And the reason was simple. These are two democratic allies that are under existential threat. And we have now learned how real those threats are. Um, obviously, I can, all I can do is urge uh, the United States and all of our allies to continue to support these countries. It is devastatingly important that we support our allies in Ukraine and fight our enemies in Russia. These are enemies of the United States and Canada, and the people we're supporting are on our side. I don't know how much simpler it can get. Hamas and the forces it uh, represents are enemies of the United States. They are enemies of Canada. Uh, Israel is a friend and ally of this country and of your country. So it is just so important we support them. And it's so important we understand, John, if I can say that, um, you know, this is, we're fighting something akin, the Israelis are fighting something akin to Nazism. And we saw this on the, the you know, on the weekend. Um, Hamas and these groups, like, they're not, this is not a territorial dispute. This is not a dispute over Israeli government policy. These are people who hate Jews on such a level that they want to destroy Israel simply because it's a Jewish state, and they want to kill Jews simply because they are Jews. And the only way for Israel to deal with this is to eradicate this movement. And look, it's going to be bloody. It's going to involve civilian as well as military casualties. But when we were denazifying Europe, we had to do the same thing, and, and less than until Israel is doing this, this will continue. So I just call on everybody to support our friends and allies as they fight these forces that, if they had a chance, would destroy our countries as well, would destroy the United States and destroy Canada. It is important we stand up against uh, these, kinds of, um, these kinds of evil uh, um, groups and, and regimes in the world. Prime Minister, I agree with you. 110%, and the world's in a pickle. Uh, Russia, are they going to cooperate somewhere along the line? I, I, I could not understand President Biden when, when he told the Ukraine, you could fight the war in the Ukraine, but don't step over the line in Russia. <clears throat> yeah, uh, look, um we're never going to get cooperation from Russia. Look, I, I spent many years uh, in the company and international meetings with George W. Bush and then with Barack Obama. I watched those American presidents and, and their predecessors try and make an ally out of Russia. You cannot make an ally or a partner out of Russia. Vladimir Putin is determined to be our enemy at all costs, and he will never be cooperative. And if he is cooperative, you can't trust him. So, you know, we just, uh, and, and as I say, we should be supporting the Ukrainians as strong as we support the Israelis, and we should be opposing Putin's regime as strongly as we oppose Hamas. Agreed. Uh, Prime Minister, anything else you want to tell North America or the world? No, look, uh, it's a delight to be on. I, I should just mention, John, that uh, I appreciate your introduction. Besides being a former Prime Minister, I, I do hold a a current political role, I actually chair the Global Federation of Conservative Parties, which includes, you know, not just my Conservative Party of Canada, but your Republican Party and uh, Conservative Party in Britain, the Christian Democrats in Germany. So, you know, I'm, um, I'm uh, an advocate for uh, conservatism around the world and certainly um, an advocate for, uh, you know, all that 
benefits the the Western Alliance and and a great supporter and admirer of all the values and interests that Canada and the United States share. So it's been a delight to be on your program. Well, Prime Minister Stephen Joseph Harper, thank you so much for being on the show, and I look forward to having more discussions in the future. Thank you, John.